Revelation chapter 20 this morning. Good to see each one in the house of God. You know, last night the uh, power went off at our house, and I'm used to noise. I have to sleep with noise, and I tell you what, I could not go to sleep, save my life. I just want to share this with you so y'all feel sorry for me. If I go to sleep, go to sleep, my own message, that'd be a first, amen? I couldn't go to sleep, save my life, because I'm used to a humidifier blowing and a fan blowing, and then I have uh, uh, seashore sounds going on in the background. You say, why do you have so much noise? Because I said, if anybody breaks in, I don't want to know it. Amen? No. <laughs> and then about 12.15, I, I, my, my wife was sound asleep, and, it was, and I couldn't go to sleep, so I woke her up, and I said, could you hum or something? And so the rest of the night, I had a headache. No, but anyway, um, she knocked the fool out. No, she didn't really. And then uh, we uh, had, thank goodness, we had uh, Bryce and, um, and Abby spend the night with Jason and Rebecca. They, they just love uh, Uncle Jason and Re- Aunt Rebecca. And so thank God they were over there so they didn't have to get scared and get up in the dark. Amen? And uh, she came in this morning all pumped up and all excited about Sunday school. And I heard her singing, I'm so glad I'm going to Bible school. I'm so glad I'm going to Bible school. I said, that's not this morning, honey. It's okay, I'll change the song. I'm so glad I'm going to Sunday school. I'm so glad I'm going to Sunday school. And that just thrilled my heart that my granddaughter wanted to go to church and had a desire in her heart. And I said, boy, you're excited about going. She said, yes, sir, it's God's holy day. And I said, praise God. And she said, I'm going early with you. And she came to the leadership meeting with me. Amen. So I thank God for her parents doing a good job uh, getting them where they want to go to church. Amen. It's an adventure. Exciting. That's why we have children's church, preschool church, nursery ministry, vacation Bible school. We want these kids to enjoy and love the house of God and the Word of God, and dedicate and sanctify His day as the Lord's day. Say amen. That's what you did in revival. It was a tremendous, tremendous attendance. Uh, nothing more embarrassing to a preacher. I know we're full of pride is to have a revival and ten people show up. But man, it was a great attendance, a great awakening. And I believe revival uh, continues by evangelism. So let's win souls, church. Let's lift up our eyes. That's why we have Vacation Bible School. We had 40-something saved I believe last year or something like that, and let's ask God to move. I'm going to be doing the adult class on creation science, and it's going to be proving uh, and disproving how the how uh, uh, the uh, evolution theory. There'll be uh, how old's the Earth. It's going to be some exciting, thrilling uh, subjects. Uh, uh, we're going to show a debate uh, with this great uh, debater against some humanists against uh, the uh, evolution theory, and it's going to be a fun time in Vacation Bible School. For adults, amen, and I'll be supervising that, that class. All right, have your Bibles, Revelation chapter 20. I'm so thrilled with this. I, I'm running out of time to end the book of Revelation on Wednesday, so I told everybody I was going to continue Revelation chapter 20, and several people came to me and said, don't do it without notes. Be sure you give me my notes. And I was thanking God that people were doing notes, so I thought about that, printing all the notes for y'all, and I said, well, I'll just go and preach a topical message out of this text, and I'll continue Wednesday, verse by verse, as we're going through the book of Revelation. What an exciting study that's been. I'll tell you what, Miss Hazel comes to me every Wednesday night saying, man, I'm getting something out of this. I've always wondered about this. She's so excited, amen? And by the way, what's your excuse for not working in vacation Bible school? Miss Hazel's got one arm, and she serves refreshments every night. I like that, don't you? Praise God, she just goes on anyway for God. Revelation chapter 20, let's begin with verse 10 through 15. I'd like to preach a message this morning, and I've always wanted to preach a brief one and never have, so I'm not going to say brief. 
But I'd like to preach a message entitled, The Sinner's Day in Court. The Sinner's Day in Court. Uh, Tuesday, we had two, uh, three young people get saved at the YDC. I've been going there for 33 years. And uh, one of them had dreadlocks on, whatever that is. I wish I had dreadlocks, to tell you the truth. No, and, uh, and uh, you know, he looked pretty rough. But I want to tell you something, about halfway through the message, God began to break that old boy. And after, after, the, uh, after I gave the invitation, he got gloriously saved. And he came to me and said, I want to talk to you. And he said, uh, I said, well, I'll be glad to. And you know, it's such an amazing thing that he said, you know, I want, you mentioned your, your message where you live. He says, I'm your neighbor. I said, I don't still live there. And he was from Decatur, Georgia, Glenwood Road. I lived on McAfee Candler Road, tough neighborhood. And he listened to me because I was part of his neighbor, and he emphasized hood. I said, don't emphasize hood, just emphasize neighbor, amen. <laughs> and he got gloriously saved, amen. And he was looking forward to his day in court and this, and this spread, this message. We're glad we got some people from Knoxville and Texas here and Ross uh, in, in uh, North Whitfield County and, and across the street. We just appreciate visitors so much. That's a blessing. But he said, if I just get my day in court, I'll be all right. You know, a lot of sinners think if they'll just get their day in court, they'll be all right. But every sinner is going to have to have a day in court. And this is the last event that will take place before the time the time is done away with completely. And there'll be eternity with Jesus Christ or in hell forever. Church, let's get a burden for souls. And if you're, if you're not saved, I beg you this morning, from the depths of my heart, don't put it off another day. Because I don't believe there's a prophecy that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. Amen? How many agree with that? Amen? I believe the rapture could take place any moment any moment, in a twinkling of an eye, there's no getting saved when the trump sounds. You'll either be lost or, or saved forever, eternity. You'll believe a delusion, a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says you will not get saved after the rapture if you hear the gospel before the rapture. So don't think God's going to give you a second and third chance after the rapture. It won't happen. Folks, this is what's going to take place after the millennial after the rapture, after the seven years of tribulation, look at verse 11. Let's stand in reverence to the Word of God. Chapter 20, you with me? And I saw a great white throne. Listen, I saw a great white throne, uh, and him that sat on it from the, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. That's power. That's awesome power. And there was found no place for them. You can't hide from God. And I saw the dead, small, and great, stand before God, and the books were open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That's how you're going to be judged, according to your works. You're being saved by, according to grace. Amen? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I'll explain that in just a minute. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How many glad that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? Say amen. You may be seated. Father, help us as we preach this morning. I pray, dear God, that you'd help me to remember what I studied. And God, I pray that you'd give me power to deliver this message. And Lord, I pray that there'd be conviction wrought upon all our hearts about seeing more people saved, seeing our neighbors, our, our, our workmates, uh, God, our relatives go to heaven and not hell. 
Lord, thank you for this message now and use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I'd like to show you this is the great white throne judgment. And I'm going to answer a couple of questions about this second death. Like, what is the second death? What is the second death like? Number three, how long is the second death? Who goes to the second death? And last but not least, how can we escape? How can one escape the second death? The second death. My friend, if you're born twice, you'll die once. If you don't get saved, you'll die twice. I'll prove it in Scripture in just a minute. And when is this great white throne judgment going to take place? Well, we can look at the book of Revelation, and it's written chronologically. That means as it takes place. And folks, that's why I know that we're not going to go through the tribulation, you pre-post-trib, post-millennial, post-toasties. That's wrong. That's just wrong. Folks, we're going to be raptured up before the, before the rap, when the rapture takes place, and we're not going one day through the tribulation. Amen? You don't beat up your bride before the wedding. Say amen. And we're going to be spared from the wrath to come. But folks, if you want to see an a, a a, a outline of the whole book of Revelation, turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, so I can set the foundation for this message real quick. The Bible says, Write these things which thou hast seen. Folks, that's chapter 1, past. And the things which are, chapter 119, you with me? You with me? All right, good. And the things which, and the things which are, that's chapters uh, 2 and 3, that's the present uh, 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 church age. And I believe we're in the Laodicea church age, amen, the last church age. And then chapter 4 through 22, uh, folks, that's the future. And that's the future. And so there's a whole outline of the whole, whole, whole future, past, present, and future. Revelation 4.1 is the rapture. Come up hither. We're out of here. Revelation 6-18, seven years tribulation. Not one time will you see the word church mentioned. Revelation 19, Christ returns to the earth. Revelation chapter 20, the first half of it that I preached on last Wednesday, verse by verse, is, Christ, uh, is the millennial reign. One thousand years, millennial reign. And then our text this morning, Revelation 20, verse 10-15, through 15, that's the great white throne judgment. So a thousand seven years after the rapture, there's going to be another resurrection. The first resurrection is the rapture. Say amen. And folks, the only way you can be resurrected is you receive the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says that Jesus is the first fruits. And we're the rest of the fruits. Amen. I didn't say fruitcakes, even though I'm from Claxton. Amen. The rest of the fruits. Amen. We're going to come up because He came up. Amen. Death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. You say, what's going to happen when I die? You're going to die and your body's going to go to the grave. Don't go to the graveside and talk to your dead loved ones. They're not there. They're either in heaven or hell. Amen. Or Hades as the Greek word is. And I'll explain the difference in hell and the bottomless pit in just a minute. But folks, we see that uh, we see this great seat of judgment. We see this great trial come forth. The great white throne judgment. You know why it's great? Because there's a powerful God sitting on the throne. Amen? He's awesome. The Bible says in verse 11 that uh, earth and heaven fled away when He gets on that throne for judgment. They're even bowing before Him. And by the way, He uses a lot of nature during Revelation chapter 6-18 through 18 to bring judgment. Hellstones, um, uh, the heat, the darkness. Boy, last night I could just feel the darkness. Amen? Now, I'm not scared of the dark and I'm not scared of storms. I believe God's going to call me home. He's going to call me home. But folks, I am scared of my own driving. But anyway, I'm going to tell you this, friend. God help us. 
God help us not to fear in these last days. Because I believe that God's still on the throne. Say amen as the choir so beautifully sings. But folks, it's white. That means righteous demands. That means purity. This judgment's going to be right. Some judges have missed it, but this judge never misses it. And then the throne, that's the exalted position of wisdom, and he knows everything. Folks, he's the sovereign judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. I like what my friend uh, Ron Mattoon, uh, Miss Carolyn, wrote. Uh, he's from Lincoln, uh, Illinois. He said this, With eyes of flame of fire, Christ will search those before Him. Everyone and everything will wither at those eyes gleam righteous judgment. The Lamb of God will be a lamb, lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And once His face was spat upon, buffeted, marred, but now it is adored with fearful majesty. Belligerent knees shall be bent to the Lord. Tempted, tempting, toxic tongues are tamed as they confess that Jesus is Lord. The saints will be honored by the participation as they look on at this judgment. Folks, so true. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's one need in your life as Christians and as in my need more than any need. We need to learn to fear God. Amen? I'm telling you today, there's a lack of respect for God, God's day, and God's house. And it bothers me. It, 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 it behooves you to realize this world does not fear God. We're in a post-Christian era. This is fun day. This is relaxation day. No, as my little granddaughter said, this is a holy day. I'm going to Sunday school. Hallelujah. I'll even go to the teacher's meeting, praise God. Oh, friend, listen. The, the sovereign judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to face Him at the judgment seat of Christ right after the rapture if you're saved, or the great white throne judgment if you're lost and you don't want to be in that judgment. The severity of the judgment, heaven and earth fled away. There's a new heaven and new earth coming down. The sentence of the judgment is the second death. I'll explain that. The second dead. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another, uh, uh, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. The second death. Folks, let me just ask five questions. I won't go verse by verse and say the outline for Wednesday night since so many people are making a collection out of them. That thrills my heart that somebody's even staying awake, much less taking notes. Hallelujah. That's good. I love it. But I want to tell you, what is the second death? It's a horrible, terrible uh, judgment upon unrepented sinners. And by the way, last time I checked, we're all sinners. Because, you know, our great-great-grandparents was Adam and Eve, and we inherited an Adamic nature. Can somebody say, oh me? That's the truth. Nobody had to teach your kids to sin. They sinned on purpose because of the Adamic nature. And folks, Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, describes this uh, second death as a lake of fire. The Bible says the lake of fire, this is the second death. Look at Revelation 20, verse 14. It defines it. 
It defines it. Lake of fire, this is the second death. Revelation 21.8, the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I've been made fun of over the years of being an old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preacher. I'm going to tell you where I got that from. The Word of God. 87 times hell's mentioned in the Bible. 13 times Jesus preached on hell. Folks, if I don't preach on hell, I'm not scriptural. And I'm not spiritual. And if it's not spiritual, if it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual, say amen. We need some old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preaching, say amen. Good night alive. You didn't come here just to get a better self-image. You came here to seek God's image. And when you see Him, you can say, woe is me, get right with God, and bring glory to His name through your image. Amen? I preached Tuesday. God, help us on those, those teenagers beat down so much by their parents and neglect. I said, God has a special plan for your life. And I preached on Moses was a proper child. Yes, it was repeated in the Mother's Day message, but I applied it to jail. Say amen. Praise God. And I'll tell you, they, they got some hope. They are special. God's got a special plan for their life. And they probably never heard that because they've been beat down all their life. Before there's juvenile delinquency, a lot of times there's adult parent delinquency. Say amen. God help your parents not lift up Jesus in front of your kids. They, they need to know Jesus is first. That He's the most important in your life. And so we see two Greek words translated hell in our English Bible. Hades and Gehenna. Two words hold the same uh, relationship as our jail and our penitentiary. The lawbreaker is captured and placed in jail when they, when they die. They, they're placed in Hades, a burning fire. Sinners are lawmakers. Prove it, preacher. 1 John 3, verse 4. Sin is a transgression of the law. I want to tell you why we got the Ten Commandments. To teach us we can't keep them. Say Amen. And also to try to keep them because they're absolute law. Thank God, thank God for a judge that got kicked out of office in Alabama for having the Ten Commandments on the back wall of the courtroom and he wouldn't move them. He wouldn't remove them. Say amen. Thank God for it. I think he ought to run for governor. Maybe he did. But I'll tell you this, friend. Thank God the Ten Commandments are absolute laws. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Hey, uh, uh, obey your parents. Isn't that a great law? Praise God. Those are good laws, but I want to tell you something. Nobody can keep them. Exactly. And if you break one, James 3 verse 1, you broke them all. So you know what that teaches us? Galatians tells us that the law teaches us that we are sinners. Now we don't go around bragging about it and demonstrating it, Miss Jackie. Praise God, we just thank God we're saved. And that we realize we were lost. And when you realize you're lost, you can get saved. Say amen. Oh, folks, but we see this... Uh, Physical death captures the lawmaker. He dies. The unredeemed dies. What happens when he dies? Well, his spirit goes to the jailhouse. The first death. Hades. But you can call it hell. Because that's exactly what it is. It's fire and brimstone that burneth forever. He's in a lost, wicked place. And he waits this judgment. At that time, unbelievers will be resurrected here. That's called the second resurrection. It's also called the second death. Are you with me? And their bodies shall be brought out of the graves, reunited from the Spirit, from the oceans, from the, wherever their body was dumped, 
uh, God formed it the first time, he can reform it again. No problem for God. No problem. Amen. And folks, this spirit is brought up into to, uh, face and reunited with the, their body, just as we were reunited with our body at the rapture, first resurrection, and that's called the second resurrection. It's called the second death. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 10 through 14 says, uh, uh, We which are alive remain shall be caught up together. The word rapture is not in the Bible, neither is Trinity and neither is missions, but we still believe in both. Say amen. But folks, I want to tell you something. The rapture is caught up. The Bible says we're caught up uh, in the clouds to ever be with the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It's comforting that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord. And folks, those that are dead in Christ first, their body's going to come up and reunite with their spirit. And we're going, to, uh, uh, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, which will be awesome. We'll, we'll give account of everything we did from the time we were saved to the time that we died or was raptured up. And then we'll have a marriage supper of the Lamb. And then while that's going on down, in, down on the earth, all hell's breaking out. Revelation 6 through 18, the tribulation is breaking out. Hellstones, 125 pounds, hits this earth. You think it was bad last night? You ain't seen nothing yet. Water turned to blood, scorching heat, plagues and sores, demonic beasts. Uh, you read Revelation chapter 9, and I'll tell you what, it will scare you out of hell almost. It's, it's horrible. I wouldn't read Revelation chapter 9 if I was lost. No, sir. But you ought to read it because you can get saved, and then you can rejoice you're not going to be there. Say amen. Now, this is not some Hollywood production, Disney World. This is God's Word. It's going to come true exactly. And folks, listen, I believe this book is God's inspired Word. Amen. The King James Bible I'm talking about. And so blessed is the holy that which have their part in the first resurrection. Look at Revelation, uh, excuse me, Revelation 20, verse 6. Revelation 20, verse 6. Go back a little bit. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath the part in his first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests and gods of Christ, and thou shalt reign reign with him a thousand years. I'm glad I'm in the first resurrection crowd. Say amen. I'm glad I was born twice. I'll die once. I'm glad I wasn't, uh, uh, I'm not lost and that I'll be born once and then die twice. And I'm glad I'm not at the second resurrection and I'm glad I'm not in the second death. You say, what's that mean? I'm glad I'm at the judgment seat of Christ. Probably won't be when that's happening. And I'm not at the great white throne judgment. Because it's going to be awesome. The flaming fires of his eyes are going to look at those people and they're going to be pulled up everything they did, all their works and everything. And he's going to say it's not enough because works never got you to heaven. Take that baptized regenerationers. Baptism doesn't save you. Well, why in the world would he pull out the books of all the works that didn't save them? There ain't no work. There's no ladder to heaven only the cross. Only the blood. That's the only way. You say, that's too narrow-minded, preacher. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's what the Bible says. So the law shall be cast both body and soul into a lake of fire. That's a penitentiary. That's God's penitentiary. It's still hell. But folks, it's the second death. Has everybody got that straight? If not, see me in the office afterwards and I'll go through it again. Amen. But anyway, listen. Second of all, what is the second death? Well, the Bible describes what the second death is all about. Listen to this. 
The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, verse 47, the fire. Describes the second death as the fire. In Mark chapter 9, verse 47, it puts another word before that fire, or it would be just, it'd just be a Gehenna, it'd be a, a, a dump outside. But Jesus put something on an illustration level, said it's an everlasting Gehenna. That's where the Jehovah Witnesses get all wrong and say there is no hell. It's just a dump outside the city. But, but the Bible says Jesus, the greatest illustrator, the greatest teacher of all, He says it's everlasting Gehenna. It's everlasting a dump of fire. It's everlasting where there's a stench. It's everlasting where there's maggots. It's everlasting darkness. If Jesus said it, that's enough for me. Say amen. The Bible describes it in Matthew 5, 22 as hell fire. The Bible describes it in Matthew 13, verse 43, a furnace of fire. In, Matthew, in James chapter 2, verse 6, it's a fire of hell. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15, our text, it's the lake of fire. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, verse 45, it's a fire that never shall be quenched. Hey friend, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, how many believe the Bible? Say amen. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, which burns with fire and brimstone. The hottest possible fire there is. It's a place not only of fire, and, and, uh, but it's a place of darkness. Seven times in the scripture, it informs us about the absence of light. Matthew chapter 8, 12 says, Casting out, Cast out to the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness. Folks, listen. Strong, brave men have been wilted by darkness. Amen? Our power went out. Jason and Rebecca called and said, y'all want us to come up? Y'all want to come up? I said, no, I just sent the two grandkids. Praise God, we're free. No, I just said, hope she ain't watching. But anyway, um, I, I, and, and it was dark. And we didn't want Abby to wake up in the middle of the dark. So said, just keep them. Amen, just keep them all. Amen. And folks, listen, we, we, we love light. I think you teach your children fear by having lights on all night. I think it's a waste of electricity. Let me preach on that a little bit. No, no, I ain't got time for that. Cast out. You, fear is taught, by the way, and it's caught. Parents, get it together. Amen. Just be brave. Amen. Or act brave when you're scared to death. They need it. But anyway, the second death is blackness of dark forever, Jude 13. Even darkness that can be felt, Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. It's a place of fire. It's a place of darkness. And then third of all, it's a place of suffering. Listen to this, folks. Listen. It's a place of suffering. The rich man lifted up his eyes and wanted a leprous finger to put one drop of water on his tongue. He was in torment. The Bible describes hell as a place of torment. It's not only a place of, of darkness, it's a place of suffering. Suffering. Uh, it's a place of hurt. Look at Revelation 2, verse 11. Revelation 2, 11. Hurry now, I'm in a hurry. Come on. Revelation 2, 11. Where is it? Revelation 2.11. The Bible says this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Hurt. I don't like to be hurt, do you? And folks, the Bible says it's torment. Turn over to Revelation verse four, chapter 14. Verse 10 and 11. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. We ain't palm readers, we're Bible readers. I don't even think you ought to read your phone. Praise God, bring your, bring your Bible. Amen. 
If you don't have your Bible, turn in your phone. Turn anywhere. Just look at this passage. Amen? Look at verse 10. It says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture unto the cup of indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Look at verse 11. Very sobering verse. Chapter 14, you with me? And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name, which is 666, of course, during the tribulation. Not 666, but 666, 18 numbers. All of us have a number. I've never been to a store, brother, where they, where they punch in the numbers anymore. It's a scan thing, amen? One day they're going to scan your forehead, scan your hand if you're still left behind, but I'm out of here. I ain't scanning nothing on me. I'm gone. How about you? There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke chapter 13, verse 28. There, hey, listen, I'm just trying to describe to you what is the second death. It's a place of fire. It's a place of darkness. It's a place of suffering. The Bible says, uh, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Second Thessalonians 1 9. What is the punishment? For rejecting Christ. The very essence of life. The person that gave you life. The person that spared your life in the storm last night. The person that gives you every breath. It's only a reasonable service. It's only logical that you get saved and be in union with your Creator. Say amen. And there's only one way to get back to your Creator it's through Jesus Christ's blood. It's not a bridge over troubled water, Simon Garfunkel. It's Jesus Christ and His blood that bridges the bridge of death, hell, and the grave. I'm glad I'm saved. Glad I'm saved. So the second death is no picnic. There's there's a suffering awaiting the lost, the lake of fire. They've already been in Hades. Now they're up in front of Him, going to get cast back into it, the bottomless pit. And it's a place of torment, wailing, harm, no rest, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Oh, come to Christ today. Come to Jesus today. And then fourthly of all, it's a place of filth. It's a place of filth. Cast in a lake of fire. The Hebrew word for second death is a place of spit. You can do a lot of things to me, but if you spit in my face, you better hope I don't backslide and pull and, and knock you out in the name of Jesus and say you tripped up. No. Don't spit in my face. And I want to tell you something. It's a spit in God's face to go to hell because He died at Calvary. And He took your death. He took your hell. He took your spit. He took your anguish. He took your, your rebuke. He took your condemnation. He paid it all. Jesus Christ paid it all. And all to Him we owe. The lake of fire is a place, uh, in the Greek it's a garbage dump. Outside Jerusalem, filth and trash of the city was taken. It's a lake of, of, of everlasting contempt. He used the word everlasting Gehenna. And it's a place of justice and not mercy. I'm glad I'm saved by the mercy of God. I didn't deserve it. I was a son of a drunk, had nothing to offer anyone. And Jesus saved me anyway. My daddy drank all his life. And at the age of 63, he walked the aisle while I was preaching. 
And he got saved. So I told this at the YDC Tuesday. Now I told it. I said, my daddy's last wish on his deathbed was this. One week before he died. I didn't get down there quick enough on Sunday morning to hear his last breath and then sing Amazing Grace and then read Psalms 23 to him. Those precious black nurses down there in the Cab General Hospital. Didn't get, a chance, didn't get down there in time. But I want to tell you something, friend. His last thing he said to me, he said, tell the young people to get saved because I made a big mistake. I said, what was it, Daddy? He said, I only lived seven years. I only lived seven years. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Say amen. You're just existing. You're marking time. Folks, it's a place of justice. Hebrews chapter 20 and verse 12 and 13, this threw me for a long time, but I think I got it now. It said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open. There's books and book. There's the Lamb's book of life. And every person that's ever been born is in that book, but he, the Bible says they can take your name out of that book. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's the Lamb's book of life, and it's the book of life. He can take his name out of the book a lot, but it's a lamb's book. When you get saved, he writes your name with his precious blood. Now listen, young people, don't talk while I'm preaching. Hey, hey, listen up. And I'm going to tell you something. He writes your name down in the lamb's book of life. I'm glad my name's on the roll, say amen. Ms. Inez's son-in-law sitting back there on the second row, and I remember Clifford Arrington playing in that play that she pushed us in, brother. I mean, that we had it every year, and we had 500 people in here. And uh, I remember uh, uh, Clifford couldn't get in. He was, a sa- he was a lost church member. And he said, oh, please, search the book again. Search the book again. And those angels closed those, those, that gate. And he was sitting there crying. I said, my word, he's acting this thing out. He got me shook up. Oh, search the book again. Search the book again. And then we, all of us behind the uh, curtain back here, our little ensemble, we'd start singing, please search the book again. <laughs> That's just a play. It's a good play. Don't get me wrong, brother. But I want to tell you something. This ain't no game and this ain't no play. It's going to be reality one day. People are going to wish their name was written in the Lamb's Book. You can join a lot of clubs. You can join a lot of churches. But you better make sure your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that you, praise God, friend. I want to tell you something. And, they, and folks, according to their works, that means he's going to take all the works and he's going to say, that's not enough. You can do all the works you want to. You can be a treasure in the church, a preacher. But folks, didn't I preach in my name? Didn't I do wonderful things in my name? Didn't I do wonderful works? And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Because sin's a way of life. Therefore, there is no life in you. Oh, friend, listen, how long is the second death? This is what's really horrendous. This is what you ought to wake up to. And I know my time's up, but folks, I want to tell you something. I ain't preaching tonight. My son's preaching, so I'm going to make the most of this. How long is the lake of fire? Like, how long shall the death uh, hold the world's unbelievers? How long? Well, the Word of God informs us the second death is forever. Turn back to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14. And I want you to look at verse 10 and 11 again. It says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of which is poured out without mixture, the cup of indignation. They shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels. In the presence of the Lamb, look at verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascended up, what's the next word please? Forever. And what's the next word? And forever. 
and they have no rest, nor night, day or night, who worship the beast and the image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of, the, of his name. Folks, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 and 46, they sh- then say to he unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. There shall uh, go away with everlasting punishment, the Bible says. First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, Them that obeyed not the gospel out of, their, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ's gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. You're not saved by obedience, you're saved by belief. But it can be, uh, you obey that you're a sinner, and you obey that you know you can't get saved on your own works. And the Bible says, into everlasting punishment! It's real! It's real! If it's not real, we're all fools, let's go home! Let's just play religion. Who goes to the second death? Revelation 20, verse 15. I'll close with this. You say, I wish you would. But I preach this because I love you. It says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Whosoever. That's how you get saved. Turn to Revelation 21, verse 8. Y'all with me? Get your Bibles open. Revelation 21.8. You know, hell's not real to some people because they're letting their testimony go down the wind. It's really not real. Folks, if it's real, you'd want to live a life that would show heaven and show the God of heaven. Because, friend, to someone, you're the best Christian they know. You're the best one. And we must show them a path out of this. We must. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. I'm giving you a lot of Scripture because I don't want you to think this message is coming from me. It's coming from God. Yeah. Revelation 20, verse 15. The Bible says, And whosoever was not written in the last book of God. But Revelation 21, 8. That's where I'm going. Next door. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, those that are not written in the Lamb's book of life are going to a place like this. Now, friend, in planning a home, any thinking person inquires about the community. Say amen. And today, unfortunately, they have a lot of things uh, going on in neighborhoods you wouldn't want to move into. You want to find a respectable place your kids can play in the streets and go next door and not worry about them. Say amen. Come on now. And certainly, you don't buy and properly and settle down in the neighborhood. You're going to give it a lot of thought. You're going to give it a lot of thought. You're not going to move in next to a bunch of drunks. Sorry. You're not going to go into a bunch of murderers and whoremongers. Yet there's millions and millions of people in this, and some maybe in this same sanctuary, who are not contemplating that they're speeding towards eternity and will live in a place forever full of this kind of people. Life's brief. You need to get saved now. Isn't it it reasonable that you get saved now? What kind of people are in hell? Well, number one, fearful. Fearful. Just people that are full of pride. Well, I wouldn't get saved, but everybody think I'm a sinner. Well, welcome to the community. We all know we're sinners. And none of us is good enough. And if anybody makes fun of you coming down this aisle and getting saved, they need to get saved. 
Come on now, they'll think you made the wisest decision you ever made. Praise God. Anybody can go downstream, get caught in the whirlpool of sin, go to hell. But it takes courage. Courage to be saved. And I believe it takes good sense. But you don't have to be real educated to be saved. It said they saw both the small and the great. Amen. You don't think your way into heaven. You believe your way into heaven. The fearful. Let me just hurry with this neighborhood. And then there's one other one that just amazes me. And these are all the people up here in this verse 1. It says, but the fearful, and what's the next word? Unbelieving. The only sin that will send you to hell, sir and ma'am, is unbelief. There's no other unpardonable sin. Don't you, don't you, you try to find the Bible all day long. There's not an unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is unbelief for the last time. That's unpardonable. And folks, did you, you know, we trust people every day. You go to the doctor, you trust them with a prescription that can kill you. Come on. You trust drivers. Anybody rides with me, you're putting your life in your hands and you know it. My grandchildren just sing in the back seat, buckle up, and I, I've slowed down to 55. I guarantee you I have. My old age, I've got better sense. I don't go flying down the road. Those joggers going up Dugout Road, they just don't like me. They shouldn't be on the side of the road, praise God. That's where I drive. I'm sorry. We text and drive. We have cam record movies. We make movies of ourselves driving. God, help you. One distracted moment's a hundred yards. Don't drive distracted. It's dangerous. I see people riding down... Uh, 80, uh, I-85 doing 80. I'm trying to catch them. And they're doing 80 and they're talking on their phone. That is dangerous. That's good preaching, Brother Wayne. But I want to tell you something, friend. The unbelieving trust in everything but God. They trust their pharmacist. They trust their doctor. They trust, they trust, they trust their driver. They trust a pilot. I was in a plane for 18 hours before we landed to go see my daughter over in South Africa. And, and Brother Mark, missionaries. And that's the only reason I would fly 18 hours without landing, is to see my babies. Kevin Hall says, it's amazing, preacher, how much you have got a burden for South Africa all of a sudden, and come see us. But we trust a pilot. Why don't we trust God? But you know who else is in this neighborhood of hell? I'm closing now. we got 10 minutes or so. The abominable. I can't say that right, but Webster defines it as hateful, detestable, and loathsome. That's who's in hell. Whoremongers are in hell. That's unrepented whoremongers. They commit sin, sex-related sin acts and unfaithful homosexuals, prostitutes. Folks, I mean, they, they abduct little children. I think it's sick, but it's sinful. What else does the Bible say? Murderers. And then idolaters, sorcerers, that's Satan worshipers. They'll be with the one they worshipped. What a mistake. Idolaters, selfish idolaters. And then the Bible says all liars. All liars. Saying you're saved when you know you're not saved. That'll send you right to hell. Saying you're good enough to get saved, that's a lie. Nobody's good enough to get saved. Hell. It's a sad judgment. And folks, I want you to know 
that the devil's going to laugh one day, say, I deceived you, and you put it off one day too late. Last but not least, let me close. Let me close. Y'all got to eat sometime. How can we escape the second death? You know, an artist one time was judging an art piece, and it was a dark, dark farce. I'm going to have to fail you on this because you didn't leave a path out. Let me tell you something. I'm glad. Listen to me now. I'm glad my Lord left a path out. He is the path. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No other name under heaven whereby we must be saved than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way. There is not a bunch of ways and several ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. The fearful are going to hell. The unbelievers are going to hell. But how can you escape by believing? I want you to look at Revelation 2.11. Two more verses. Revelation 2.11. How many love the Word of God? Say amen. amen. Revelation 2.11. The Bible says this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. The Spirit always accompanies preaching. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. Hey, man, listen to this now. Please stay with me just for 10 more minutes. I know some of you got to slip out to work. How do we become overcomers? Oh, we're going to keep the law. No. Get baptized. No. Join the church. No. How do we become overcomers? The Bible has the answer. Turn back one book to 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. The Bible says, What? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. You with me now? 1 John 5, 4. You with me? It says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You know how you become an overcomer? Receive the overcomer. But greater is He that is in you than He is in the world. This is not a religion we're talking about. This is a relationship with the overcomer. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Praise God. Praise the Lamb. Folks, faith, not works, is the victory. It's your choice. You can choose Revelation 21.4 or Revelation 21.8. 21.4 says this, God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven's a place of joy and peace and love and purpose. No sin, no Satan, no regrets, no discouragement, no depression. It's a place of ultimate joy. But Revelation 21.8 is the neighborhood of hell. And the highway of hell it's paid with good intentions. One day, I'll be saved. I was reading this week how Adaran Judson got saved. Y'all know who Adaran Judson is? If I had a name like Adaran, Adaram, I'd ask Mama why. But anyway, he was the first missionary. He was the first Baptist missionary sent overseas. He was the first missionary that went overseas and when he was three years old, he was brilliant. He was a fast learner. His mother 
was able, to her surprise, to teach him in one week to read. That's brilliant. So you don't have to be a dummy to be saved. You don't trace God, you trust God. Say amen. But when he got to college, guess what happened? His roommate was a guy named Jacob Alms. And Jacob Alms was a popular, brilliant, artistic, unbelieving heathen. And Jacob began to work on Adoram, and they became closest of friends, and he introduced Adoram to what is called the free thinking. It's really atheists, the tenets of skepticism. And he ultimately denied the deity of Christ and the gospel atonement. By that time, Adrian graduated. He had uh, abandoned the Bible. He was in Brown University at the age of 16 when he began Brown University. Time he graduated, he abandoned the Bible. He learned to read at the age of three, but he abandoned the gospel when he graduated from college because he roomed with a heathen. You better watch who you hang around with, children. Amen. And after informing his parents of his unbelief uh, and trying his hand at tutoring for a year, he set out to tour New England on horseback and eventually joined a group of actors in New York City. They found lodging in an inn one night, though. After only a few weeks, Adrian grew tired of their undisciplined life and struck out on his own. And one night he stopped and spent the night at, a, at an inn that he had never stayed at before, and the innkeeper warned him that he might not sleep much because there was a young man next door who was violently ill on the verge of death. And sure enough, during the night, the moaning and the crying of this young man in the next room kept him awake. The man seemed to be on the brink of dying. His moaning and groaning was crying. He kept Adrian, uh, Adoram lying wide awake in his bed. And Adoram wondered about the young man's soul. His daddy was a preacher. He remembered his childhood learning, teaching. And where would this man spend eternity, he thought. Was his... And Adoram would recount later how he himself lay there thinking the same thoughts about his own soul and his own life, his own eternal destiny. Eventually, the moaning stopped, and Adoram drifted off to sleep. Early the next morning, Adoram asked the innkeeper about the man's health or outcome, and the innkeeper confirmed that the young man had indeed died a terrible, horrible death. And Adoram asked him, Do you know who he was? And the innkeeper said, Oh, his name, let me look on the register here, his name was Alms. Jacob Alms. Adoram could barely move. In fact, he stayed at the end for hours pondering the death of his best friend. He would recount later to a friend, and he quoted, that hell would open up in the country inn and snatch Jacob Alms, my dearest friend, and guide from the next room. This could not, simply could have not been a coincidence. God was calling my name. It was clear to Adoram Judson that God was on his trail. He immediately returned home to the joy of his parents and months later trusted Christ for his personal salvation and devoted himself entirely to the Lord. Two years later, he finished seminary, studied and applied for missionary status in the Congregational Mission Board. He had heard a sermon as a student that illustrated the mission field of India, Burma, China and determined to give his life to serve Christ in, the, in that part of the world. On the way over... The ship took three months. He and his wife, Anne, 
that he proposed to and told his mom and dad, he said, you'll probably never see your daughter again. Can I have her hand in marriage? And they gave her hand to him. That's dedication. And him and Ann was there of three months. They started studying the Bible and they discovered that baptism didn't save you and that baptism was an act of obedience and a public profession and they renounced congregationalism and became Baptists and landed overseas in India with no support at all. I think he really got saved. Say amen. And the Baptists had to get together real quick and they formed the Baptist Mission Union and sent him support. He lost two wives, three children. He was put in stocks and bonds. He was lifted up at night. His feet were bleeding. His second wife came to him with a dying baby. He bribed the jailer to let him out. And he went door to door with his baby and asked the Burmanese women to nurse his baby back to life. I believe he meant business. And it took him eight years for one convert because he couldn't speak the language. But now there's hundreds of churches and the New Testament is in Burmanese and, and most of the Old Testament and, and hundreds and thousands of people have been saved because one man got saved. Amen, Aram Judson. Let me close with this. I know we're in overtime, but folks, there is a hell. He heard his friend dying and slipping into hell. And he got saved. But you don't have to go through that. The goodness of God draweth men to repentance. And the gospel tells us there's a heaven and a hell. And you can be saved this morning. And do great things for God. You might not be called to go over to India and be a missionary. But you can be a good wife, a good husband. A good daddy, a good mama, a good grandmama. You can be a good employee. You can be a good employer. You can do something for God right here. Or God might call you to go over there. But I want to tell you something, friend. Your life will not be wasted, but your life will count for Christ. And you can reach men and ladies and boys and girls who if they die without Christ, will go to hell. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the message. And Lord, I appreciate the patience of these people. They've listened so well. And Lord, I pray for these who are lost in this auditorium, this sanctuary this morning. God, it's real to me or I wouldn't preach it. It's real to me because it's the Bible. And I know it's real to these folks. And I pray to God you'd save the lost this morning. With every head